turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome to Passion, a show all about love, relationships, sexuality. My name is Paris Mansouri. Dr. Lori is away. She is on vacation. She has landed in Greece. You can follow her on social media to see all the awesome pictures that she's posting. I'm going to be keeping her chair warm while she's away. So this week and next, if you do want to connect with Dr. Lori, you can follow her on her socials at Dr. Lori Batito. Um, but tonight is Trouble Tuesday. We're going to keep the schedule going as if Dr. Lori was here. We have um, a psychotherapist in studio with us, Amanda Luderman. She's here to take your questions, 514-800, to get them in um, as soon as possible. We already have one that we're going to start with, but before I get too into it, I did want to tell you guys about an event that Dr. Lori is hosting. It's called Sex and Love in the Senior Years. It's going to happen Sunday, September 29th at 2 p.m. at the Kirkland Library. It's part of a celebration. It's an international celebration for Seniors' Day. It's um, October 1st and the Journée de la Culture from September 27th to the 29th. Again, it's at the Kirkland Libraries. There's a series of great activities and conferences for seniors, uh, fitness, um, for 50 plus dance therapy workshops conferences on mental health insomnia sex and love in the senior years there's screening of documentaries elders appreciation tea there's a lot going on it's open to everyone the registration is at the library you can call 514-630-2726 or i would say just go on the kirkland uh, the city of kirkland website so it's ville.kirkland.qc.ca and check out their fall 2019 activities on their website and you're going to get all the details again if you just go to the city of kirkland website check out their fall 2019 activities you're going to see all that's happening and dr Lori is going to be giving a talk on september 29th it's a sunday at 2 p.m in the kirkland library so you definitely want to check that out. But back to Trouble Tuesday. So tonight is a night where we get to your questions. There is no question that's off limit as long as it relates to love, sexuality, relationships, mental health. When it comes to your relationships, we won't reveal your name on the air, but we will do our best to get your question answered. And by we, I mean Amanda Luterman. Uh, she, you've heard her voice before. You heard her earlier today on with Natasha. Hall. Uh, but when Dr. Lori's away and I get to sit in her chair, I obviously invite the experts because I am not the expert and I will not be able to answer the questions myself. So Amanda Luterman, who's a therapist, uh, she focuses on intimacy and relationships. She's going to be here to take care of it for you. And you can find her at amandaluterman.com. And also, and this is something new, at eroticempathy.ca. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Paris. What is eroticempathy.ca? Eroticempathy.ca is um, a newly launched center for psychotherapy research and education that uh, promotes fulfilling erotic intimacy in relationships. Wonderful. And is that where people connect with you on? Um, they can definitely reach me on eroticempathy.ca and uh, as well as through my website as usual. 
it's really about creating um, a venue, a community around more than just psychotherapy. We're going to be running events, uh, multidisciplinary, um, just like next week's event with a pelvic floor physiotherapist. You can find info all about that on eroticempathy.ca on the trainings page. Wonderful. Thank you for being here. Thank you for ahead of time for answering the questions. And we're going to get to it because... As you've experienced before, we get tons of them coming in at the end and we want to make sure we get to all of them. The first question tonight is, my husband gets turned on by me describing my past sexual experiences, meaning the size of the man or how thick the penis size. Should I be worried that he is gay? Gay? Uh, certainly not. The key thing here when when we're talking about our partner's arousal is actually that, remember, he gets turned on listening to you talk about your past experiences. And that's really key detail here, first of all. Um, so, so keep that in mind. You can actually be pretty reassured. You probably tell a good story. Um, the second thing to remember is it's actually sort of it's almost like the erotica version of porn because what are men doing when they watch porn aren't they actually watching men who are um, relatively well endowed pleasuring women so they we assume that they're focusing on the women but actually um, it's the whole the whole kit that tends to that tends to arouse so in fact it's really no different than him watching a scene it's just that he gets to enjoy the fact that it was you in them 514-800 if you want to text in your questions. It's Trouble Tuesday and it means the whole hour is dedicated to everyone's questions. Amanda Luterman is joining me to answer them. Uh, the next question is why do women pierce their clitorises? Uh, well, actually, first of all, important distinction. They're not actually piercing the clitoris. They're usually piercing the clitoral hood. So that little area of skin that covers and sort of shields the clitoris like a you know, think of a hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> um, that's actually what they're piercing most often. So w w you're really just looking at the fact that they're adorning the most pleasurable part of their body with some jewels. And um, it may cause some friction that could be arousing. Um, that's why most people would pierce, for example, nipples too, that just the stimulation through the nipple or any area um, that's an erogenous zone would lead to, to arousal. And sort of, the, I would call it like a little secret uh, story with oneself. I've uh, heard clients talk, you know, sort of sheepishly and excitedly about those piercings and it really being a, a claiming or ownership um, type of position for their own body. Is it riskier to have um, private parts or, you know, mm. the clitoris, it's close to, you know, it's not the cleanest spot. It's also right. damp. Um, are there, for anyone out there considering getting a piercing done, any word of advice? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, keeping areas clean is very important. And I certainly wouldn't recommend, uh, you know, stimulation of the areas that have newly been pierced. But I don't think you have to tell somebody that who just pierced something. <laughs> They're usually going to want to let it heal pretty, pretty thoroughly before engaging in any stimulation. And yeah, uh, good hygiene would be important for any piercing. I mean, you, you know, if anybody's ever pierced their ears, the, you know, it, again, you want to keep it clean. You want to make sure that you, you take care of it. Well, as somebody who did have um, an ear, well, I got my ear pierced, but in the cartilage area. Mm -hmm. Not, and a, not a clitoral pierce? Definitely not. <laughs> um, and I remember like saline solution twice a day and they were saying how the ear is not the cleanest part on the body. And I'm just imagining if you're getting your clitoris pierced, mm -hmm. do you have to be extra careful? Are there extra precautions to take? I would hope so. I, I mean, the thing that people don't really think, because the genitals, you know, comes with so much 
taboo and stigma. We we assume um, a lot more about their hygiene based on the feelings we have when talking about them. But skin is skin, and it's it's probably just important to take care of it. Um, you know, I, I can't speak to the you know specific experience of a clitoral hood pierce, um, but I can tell you that um, I, you know I don't hear nightmare stories in my office about genital piercings. If you have any questions. It's the time to ask them. 514-800. Somebody texted asking, I have been married 26 years. I have neuropathy and I have trouble walking. My husband refuses to help me at all. Any insights? Um, Wow, that doesn't sound very nice. It really sounds like there's a lot of struggle there and, and a lack of support from one's partner. Um, that's a very difficult situation. It's also a bit of a power dynamic, right? Because if you're in in need of physical support from the person who lives with you, um, then you probably aren't getting support from, let's say, an aide coming in to help you at home kind of thing, right? Because you have someone. That's a great reason to to speak to a therapist or even a family doctor about what kind of help is required and, and see if you get support from your husband about that. I would encourage him to seek his therapy, his own therapy, because losing the ability Ability, the physical ability um, in one's partner can be quite traumatic for him. He's got a, he's obviously working through some resistance or is just resistant to to that to vulnerability in his partner. Um, I, I would say this is a good case to get some help with. So it's not necessarily, I mean, we hear that and, and someone with obviously less experience and insight is you might think, oh, wow, like he's not helpful or he's mm-hmm. not considerate, but it may actually be issues that are deeper than that that mm-hmm. maybe doesn't want to acknowledge that his partner has lost her ability and maybe is in denial about her actual abilities not because he's turned off by it but just because he just hopes or just doesn't want to face the facts i would suspect he's more turned off by his the idea of himself as a caregiver than of his actual spouse if you have any questions 5148 to text them in or if you want to call us 514-790-0800 it's Trouble Tuesday and Amanda Luderman is in studio a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship it's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri Welcome back to the show. Dr. Lori is away. My name is Paris and I'm going to be sitting in for her for the next two weeks when she's away. I call in the experts because I'm not a doctor and I can't answer the questions like she can. And especially on a night like tonight, Trouble Tuesday, we are taking your questions just like every other Tuesday. You can text them in at 514-800 or you can call us at 514-790-0800. I have in studio with me a therapist who, like Dr. Lori, focuses on intimacy and relationships Amanda Luderman. You can connect with her on amandaluderman.com or eroticempathy.ca, which is something new that she started up. And I have a feeling it's going to be a tremendous benefit to our community. So thank you for that. Make sure you check it out. Uh, somebody uh, texted in about the clit question, the, the clitoris piercing. Mm-hmm. And it says, I went out with a girl that had a clit ring and she was always bothered when I would play with it. I didn't see what was the point of having it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, 
and I like the question because I hear that there's a desire to actually have wanted to pleasure her and to play with it. And there was no judgment per se about having one. So that's that's cool. Um, but I would just suggest that um, in a situation like that, you really request to be instructed uh, how she'd like it to be played with. So it's not so much a black or white issue of do people want to be played with or not, um, but really how and and to be open to being taught. The next question is, my husband decided he wanted me to experience other men and push me towards other men, then have me come home and describe the experience to him in detail. He makes me feel sick. What do you suggest? Mm. Um, well, you know, at first I want to joke and say there's a lot of women who think you're really lucky. <laughs> um, but actually, it's making you sick. It's really not great. It's not your preference. You do not want to play with other men or, um, you know, have experiences that, uh, you know, that he'll be able to be aroused by. Um, so this is, uh, you know, a, a good case of desire discrepancy where, you know, there's a difference in, in what brings you both feelings of desire and, and very much worthy of, of talking to a professional or to have somebody help you facilitate, um, you know, your, your erotic bonds. And um, uh, in a situation like this, I, again, can't help but use the word consent. Never do anything that you're not enthusiastic about. Um, no sexuality should ever feel uh, blatantly unpleasurable or unnerving to you. So by no means is this something that I would recommend you try at all. Um, if you want to have a discussion about safe non-monogamy, uh, you know, consensual non-monogamy on both your parts, that's that's of an enthusiastic nature. Um, that is something that um, that uh, therapists like myself and, and others can help you with. And this doesn't necessarily sound like a consensual, enthusiastic uh, venture. What happens if they have the conversation and it doesn't, the fantasy doesn't go away? And mm -hmm. sometimes, would you say a partner might be scared to express further fantasies if the first one they shared was... You bet. Yeah, totally. I, I would... I would probably be working with a couple like this um, from a place of curiosity and creativity. So he really wants to hear her articulate uh, experiences, right? So they might want to discuss erotica, like reading um, sexual stories together, um, being turned on about other experiences. But like most uh, fantasies, actually, they don't need to happen out in real life to, to gain a sense of fulfillment um, and, and mutual arousal. It's, that doesn't have to necessarily be out on the field. I was listening to Dr. Lori during uh, one of her shows and there was a question placed about how um, somebody fulfilled a fantasy and then felt dirty afterwards and mm -hmm. didn't like it. And it was a fantasy that she had had for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And then it finally happened and she was so excited for it to happen. She was excited during the process. It was 100% consensual. But then after the fact, she it's not that she regretted it, but she was saying that she felt dirty and she didn't want to think about it afterwards right what what is that dynamic well sometimes the the true our, our erotic selves have wonderful imaginations and want all kinds of things um, unfortunately there's this other part of ourselves often right this rational um, very uh, sometimes judgmental uh, self this self that has internalized messages from society from our parents from our communities that that tends to not really like our erotic self very much. And a lot of people suffer that kind of conflict and struggle with that. So because you, you lived out something that you wanted and then you don't feel so good afterwards, you feel vulnerable, you feel uh, that big wave of sexual shame. Um, that's a great opportunity to talk to a therapist. I know I'm going to be saying that kind of thing a lot. Um, but some of these discussions are not 
you know, years of therapy. I see a lot of clients for, uh, you know, let's say the six session problem, the three session problem. So an ability to articulate out what it really means to um, to work something through, to get through the difficult parts uh, emotionally of experiences that you wanted. That's that's a big part of sexuality. Amanda Luderman is joining me in studio tonight for Trouble Tuesday, taking your questions at 514-800. We have a question here from a gentleman who says, my fiance has a hard time when I do oral because she is so sensitive. I've been as gentle as possible, but no results. Neither of us can seem to find a solution to help the sensitivity. Any suggestions? Yeah, just like the you know the event we're doing next Tuesday night is um, me collaborating with a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Pelvic floor physio is a wonderful opportunity for people who have um, any sort of discomfort um, within their pelvic floor, within the nerve sensitivity, um, sexual pain. Uh, of any kind they really it is you know definitely encouraged to to attend that event as a couple frankly um or also to encourage um, your girlfriend to to talk to someone about what she experiences i'd be curious about for example you know is she able to use tampons is penetration also difficult um what kind of sensitivity are we talking about um that i think that sort of thing i'd be i'd be curious but is it nerve sensitivity is it also ticklishness i mean sometimes we're we're you know talking about a kind of touch that's actually just not what the person prefers and again is not asserting that so um it's something to explore and i'd be curious as well about her capacity for self pleasure is she masturbate is there discomfort there our next question uh, is a bit lengthier. It says, allow me to explain our situation. I have a micro penis and since prostate cancer, even it won't get hard. I tried pills, vacuums, even injections straight into it, but nothing worked. For years, I've tried to convince my wife to find a real man to satisfy her needs, but so far she's only gone out on one date. All I ask is for her to try not to go out with a man she will fall in love with if she could get some sex i'm sure she'd be happier if she was happier i would be too and feel better about her getting what she needs i've heard from her friends that she'd had some tough boyfriends in the past and they would enjoy her rough sex with my lifetime micropenis problem i'm too tender and gentle for her my question is this don't you agree that she would find herself she should find herself a man um I love the don't you agree <laughs> really begets the no, not really. <laughs> um, so first of all, it sounds like there's some really harsh language from this person about, you know, toward themselves. Um, she's got a man. She's chosen who she wants to be with. And the most important thing you can do is respect her choice. Um, if she wants to be with you, then it really sounds like you've got to begin to practice what we call erotic empathy, the capacity to to really allow your partner to see you in a light that you can't possibly understand. Two people in every given sexual interaction have a different experience of that sexual interaction. And what you might find attractive, she uh, might not. And what you don't find attractive or manly enough, for example, she seems to be okay with if she's choosing to be with you. What I would do is explore playing with toys so that you can really role play that experience with her and explore roughness and explore things that you think, um, you know, that she wants if that is what she wants and make sure that you're not um, seeking to do what you think she wants because those are two very different things. 
You're listening to Passion. We are on weeknights from 10 to 11 p.m. talking about love, sex, and relationships. If you're just tuning in and you're not hearing Dr. Lori's voice, it's because she's on vacation. My name is Paris Mansuri. I'm going to be filling in for her while she's away, but we are keeping the schedule as it would be if Dr. Lori was here. So tonight, it's Trouble Tuesday. We're going to answer all your questions. You can text them at 514-800. Amanda Luterman is in studio with me. I'm not answering the questions. She's <laughs> answering the questions. So you're actually getting a professional who is um, addressing the topic. She's going to be with us again next Tuesday. Yes, ma'am. Uh, if you want to connect with her, it's at Amanda Luterman on Instagram, on Facebook, mm -hmm. and on Twitter. Uh, yes, that is correct. And you can visit her at her website, amandaluterman.com. If you want to talk to her tonight, you can. You text us at 514-800 or you can call us at 514-790-0800. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the show. It is Trouble Tuesday. Dr. Lori's away, but we're keeping her schedule intact. Tuesdays are your night to get in your questions and get it answered by a professional tonight in studio. And next week, next Tuesday, we're going to do Trouble Tuesday again and licensed psychotherapist Amanda Luterman is going to join me in studio. She, like Dr. Lori, focuses on intimacy and relationships and she can address all the questions that Dr. Lori can address and you can connect with her at amandaluterman.com or at eroticempathy.ca. It's her new baby and I have a feeling it's going to be something that affects our community greatly. Are there resources on erotic empathy? Will there be, or is it just uh, a place right now for people to get information about events that are going on? That's a great question. We actually just submitted today um, a manuscript for a journal article that's going to be coming out hopefully in, in a couple months um, on, on some of these uh, concepts that have been pretty innovative and I think are, are going to contribute nicely to the field actually. If, uh, Wonderful. So it just launched. So we're, yeah, this we're is really budding, but uh, the actual, that's more on the research side. The education, like I said, is really the focus on events um, for, for mainstream audiences as well as for professionals to gain uh, competence in erotic empathy without needing to become sex therapists. Um, and, uh, you know, it's important to for those out there to understand that when you go see a psychologist, uh, chances are that person has had zero training on intimacy and sexuality. So unless they specialize or, or declare an interest in, in that topic. So um, most people do want to talk about intimate things with their therapists and, and they should be able to do that. Uh, so we really want to attract uh, mainstream, you know, mental health practitioners to get a little more insight on these topics. Wonderful. And if you want to contact Amanda or connect with her uh, with regards to her work or just see her on social media, because she really does post some insightful content that makes you think it's at amanda luterman on twitter instagram and facebook tonight the facebook page the uh, amanda luterman psychotherapist is is the facebook page to follow you can type that in and it's going to come out mm -hmm. automatically uh, but tonight you can contact her directly 514-800 with any of your questions um yeah if you're just joining us again dr Lori's away my name is paris i'm filling in we're going to keep the schedule as is the only thing i'm adding to the show is a quote at the end of it. I feel like quotables and sometimes inspirational quotes with <laughs> regards to relationships and love. I tried it last night. It went well. So we're going to try it again tonight at the end of the show. Can't wait. Um, 
So the first question I wanted to get to is from a single mom. It says, I'm a single mom with four kids and all I think of is having a lot of sex. Why am I feeling this way? And no, I don't have a partner. I find myself watching lots of porn and it turns me on, but is it safe or am I doing harm to myself? I just like doing the things I see in porn, but nobody to do it with. Do it with. I stay more horny than most. What can I do? Um, first of all, there's absolutely no danger to, to watching porn. I know that there's a great, there is a, a great industry that is quite anti-porn online. Um, it's important that you understand that, um, that porn is something that as a behavior, uh, may feel impulsive or feel compulsive at times. Um, but no, there's actually no physical, um, or psychological harm. You cannot become addicted to porn. Um, so if it's pleasurable you for you, become addicted to porn. No, you cannot. Um, it's, it's a lengthier conversation. I'm sure we could have a whole show on that. Yeah. Um, but what it is, there is, you know, dopamine release. I mean, sure. It's a pleasurable activity, but it's not, um, it's what we really focus on is, uh, porn from the perspective. There's actually a wonderful manual out called out of control sexual behavior, how to treat that. So it's not necessarily from the addiction model, um, but it is treated as, as an impulse control issue and looked at as, as something that's unfortunately medicating other problems like loneliness, anxiety, anger, other things. And when we look at, at, at really targeting those feelings, um, from a psychotherapeutic standpoint, you, you do find that you don't necessarily look to porn to solve the problems that porn can't solve. And, and so you'll, I see a lot of people who really understand and mitigate that urge to look to porn when in fact they're lonely. So I would say that, um, in a situation like this, uh, you know, it might be that what you're doing is, is looking to porn, you know, as to, to satiate you when, porn's a snack. I actually wrote an article called porn is a snack. Here's why you're still hungry. Um, because it's not supposed to satiate the whole act of intimacy and affection and all the things that we really seek from sexuality. It's, it's really supposed to be entertaining and, and kind of, you know, a snack here and there. Our next question, uh, comes from a gentleman. It says, I'm a mid fifties gay man. I've only been out of the closet about 20 years. I've spent most of my life single and very content. I've been in a few short-term relationships where I felt I needed to be single. Recently, a guy has been flirting with me, but I have made it known I'm not available. He does not stop. How can I get the message so he understands no means no? Well, unwanted persistence or coercion is obviously not pleasant. And, and this could be a, a few things. One might be a boundary issue. I mean, maybe there's room for mixed messages in your communications with uh, this this very keen suitor. And, uh, you know, you might want to be distinctly clear sometimes um, in writing helps. So a text message that says, I'm not um, willing to hear from you again. Thank you for your understanding, period. Uh, would be would be good uh, if you are making room to speak to him outside of a romantic connection let's say you do actually want to know this person but you don't want to be in a relationship with them then that like I said might be interpreted with some mixed messages uh, on the part of, of this other person so you know keep that in mind um, you said you felt the need to be single in your past relationships I'd be curious about that just in case um, there is uh, a need that isn't complementing your your sort of social desires otherwise so you know I'd be curious about there like I said but um but in general if this person is not who you want to connect with then you have absolutely no responsibility to to speak with this person our next question is a follow-up with regards to the person uh, with the neuropathy 
Um, they followed up saying that their partner is 18 years older and he doesn't think he has a problem. And I just wanted a quick follow yeah. up for this person. Um, thank you for, for following up and, and continuing to, to talk to us about this. Um, if he doesn't think he has a problem, that's not really our concern here. Our concern is you and and you need some help and you need a supportive partner. And it doesn't really matter if he's younger or older or your age. Um, you deserve support when you're going through a rough time, especially in the context of somebody who's supposed to be supportive with you. If he is your partner, um, he is your your significant other. He's supposed to be, you know, a partner. He's supposed to be significant to to what you need right now. And if you do want to follow up with Amanda, you can connect with her at amandaluderman.com. It's Tuesday here on Passion, which means Trouble Tuesday. We get to your questions. You can text us at 514-800. My name is Paris Mansuri. I'm filling in for Dr. Lori, who's away on vacation in Greece. If you are upset about the cool breeze <laughs> in September that we're getting, you can follow Dr. Lori on her social media at Dr. Lori Batito. She is posting all her lovely vacation sunny shots live from Greece, and she'll continue to do it. And you can also connect with her at Lori at DrLori.com. If you have any questions for her while she's aware, you just want to get in touch with her directly, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with me, it's at Paris Mansuri. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Thank you for tuning in. We've been taking your questions all night. We have time for a couple more. Amanda Luderman is in studio with me. As you heard, Dr. Lori is away. And so we have another expert. Uh, she's a therapist, psychotherapist, and she focuses on intimacy and relationships, just like Dr. Lori does. Um, Somebody just texted. No, that's not a question. They're making. A, I love just general <laughs> statements on on um, what we're doing. Um, somebody says hi there. Was wondering if there is an actual average erect penis size, as all of the sources I find on Google are different for all ages. Hmm. Um. Well, I don't think ages. It's an interesting thing. There's a lot of. There is actually a lot of research on. Uh, uh, body image and and various um, penis diversity, let's call it. And I think it's about five inches erect, so five point something, and it varies across country by also point something, um, somewhere between uh, five and five and a half. I think. Are I don't the actually, myths true? I don't actually remember what the myths of a very average. Various... Sure. Really? Yeah. On that. In that. I mean, I think so. As far as I know, <laughs> as far as they're telling me, um, but. Uh, you know, it's always, what's always interesting to me about penis size related questions is why are we asking them, right? And it always comes down to, unfortunately, the the penises we see in in life are typically um, relating to to pornography, and so you're looking at the the let's call it the uh, top end of the spectrum for for penis size because there's no fantasy um, more co more popular I think for men than feeling like they can really you know <laughs> uh, satisfy yeah. a woman uh, thoroughly and and they unfortunately our culture really believes that it's with the hardest possible largest penis and that is absolutely not true I mean I've, I know uh, some of my girlfriends and I've joked in the past about you know perfect boyfriend size you know the size that won't hurt you depending on the pressure and and the size that is is not overwhelming and yet um, and also a person who you know within average range who you feel you can really 
connect with. Um, so that being said, I think a lot of men who are particularly large have a hard time actually feeling that they can embody the tenderness that they that they would like to um, when quote unquote making love a term I try not to use very often as it's you know you understand. Um, but uh, and you know there's unfortunately a great deal of insecurity in men who believe they're under average size. Most of those men are not, in fact, under average size, but the penises they associate with erotic satisfaction um, are not realistic whatsoever. So just know that your penis size is normal. I promise you, even if it's on the, the lower end of size, it has nothing to do with the quality of satisfaction your partner will have from it, um, regardless of the gender of their partner, regardless of, of all kinds of things. What makes a wonderful lover is generosity, attunement, um, willingness to learn, as uh, you know, researchers have been saying, uh, Klein Platz has said, um, you know, lover, the best lovers are, are made, not born. And that takes time sometimes. You bet. Our next question says, or our next questioner says, my girlfriend can no longer use an IUD. She doesn't want to use the pill. She doesn't want to get pregnant. The operation is not an option. She does not trust condoms. I need to have sex with her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any information would be great. Yeah, I'm not going to speak too much to um, to contraceptive use. I think it's a wonderful question for her gynecologist to discuss the various alternatives. There are various alternatives and um, interesting options to explore for contraceptive use. Um, so I don't want to start necessarily listing them at this point. It's um, beyond beyond our scope here, but uh, it's a great question, and there are answers in the medical field that she should get on mm -hmm. her own and should not feel pressurized. Oh, pressured into. Sure. I mean, you can always offer to attend the appointment with her to make sure that you get great instructions on how to utilize whatever method of contraception is, is recommended. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you should focus on not saying I need sex, but rather saying I just really desire you and want to feel comfortable and want you to feel comfortable. So let's figure this out. Our next question says, hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so I have a question about sexual side effects from medication. Ever since I started taking Zoloft, I've not been able to finish during intercourse. I need to be on this drug as it helps with my issues pertaining to post-concussive syndrome. I'm only able to orgasm during masturbation. Is this normal? Are there solutions that don't involve me going off or reducing my medication? So whenever someone describes um, being able to, to orgasm during masturbation and not during partnered sex, I'm often immediately, uh, you should, you know, anybody listening here, that's not a functional issue. I mean, it means that the body is doing what it's supposed to do, but the context when changed creates, you know, different variables, um, changes what you're up against. So when people are in, uh, having partnered sex, right, when you're hooking up with somebody, remember that that's very different from being alone, because you're more self conscious, you're maybe more performative, you might be more tense. Again, the pelvic floor event next week, men are more than encouraged to attend. If you have uh, issues with orgasm, whether premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, painful um, sex of any kind, it it's, has to do sometimes with the tension you may be holding in your pelvic floor as well. So if you're having trouble reaching orgasm with a partner, you may really want to be looking at some mindful relaxation techniques um, because you're able to, to reach orgasm when you masturbate. If you were not able during masturbation, we would be having a different conversation. Um, and as a side note, a little bit of a tip, I suppose, is you want to be open-minded about stimulation. So 
if you're used to just stimulating the shaft of the penis, you may want to include some other stimulation of, um, you know, the perineum or testicles or whatever encourages you, um, whatever arouses you, um, because you may need a little bit more of a sensation to get you there when you're on Zoloft. So there could be a little bit of an, of a numbing, um, or less sensitivity. And that was all we had time for this week. <laughs> I'm sorry if we didn't get to your question. We'll save it for next week. Or you can also text us back again next week. Amanda Luderman, thank you for being here and looking forward to seeing you next Tuesday. Amanda Luterman, you can reach her at amandaluterman.com. That's L-U-T-E-R-M-A-N.com. And she also just started out the Center for Erotic Empathy. Tell us where we can connect with you about that. So that's eroticempathy.ca. Uh, Actually, .com works as well. And um, that's uh, my email for, for the Erotic Empathy Center is aluderman at eroticempathy.ca. If you have any information about, um, if you're seeking any information about research or education, you can reach Lucy Faricello at lfaricello at eroticempathy.ca. Thanks so much. Thank you for being here. And as promised, I'm going to end with a quote of the night. This one <laughs> says... I always wondered why it was so easy for people to leave. What I should have questioned was why I wanted so badly for them to stay. That's it for me. I want to thank Chris Akins for getting this show to air. He's our technical producer. You've been listening to Passion. My name is Paris Mansuri. I've been filling in and I will be filling in for Dr. Lori. We'll be back tomorrow with Sex and Tech with Dr. Jason Behrman. Until then, I want to wish you a great rest of the evening and to remind you to fill your life with passion.